Welcome to the Football Draft Podcast. You're here with James and Ben on a lovely Wednesday, episode number wait, three. Wait, wait, hold on a second. It's not Wednesday. Ben, I know it's not a Wednesday. It's Monday, like 1am, because we've been sat here trying to do the intro for two hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, my, my bad. <laughs> Anyways, episode three. Who would have thought we could make it this far? Yeah, 10 subscribers as well. I know, we should do some. We need to do some sort of giveaway. Do you know what we can give away? No, have you got an idea? Yeah, my laptop, because it's broken. What's wrong with your laptop? The keyboard does. The keyboard doesn't work anymore. The trackpad doesn't work anymore. Well, one lucky subscriber could get on hold of that. Um, just feel free to get in touch. I guess. Okay, let's dive straight into the first set of Premier League matches. I feel like we're just repeating ourselves. Allison with another howler again this week. Yep, again he's here costing Liverpool points. I thought he would have learned from his mistakes last week, but here he is again making another big mistake and throwing points away for Liverpool. That young guy, the new signing, Kabak, is it? Getting scapegoated, which is a shame because it's, I don't think it's his fault. I would agree. I don't think it's his fault either. It was a bit unfair on the lad because it's making his debut, first Premier League game. And then he, I think he's just doing his job, running back, trying to win the ball, intercept the long ball over the top. And then out of nowhere, you see Allison charging out. There's no way that it's, it's his fault at all. His head's not in the right place, for sure. I mean, Klopp looks devastated in the post-match interview. Did you see? Yeah, I saw. He, he seems to be very down at the moment. And then that's where he officially stated that he's conceding the title. So he's, he's saying himself, there's no chance Liverpool getting the title back this year. Dude, he, he looked like he was crying. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't know what's up with him. I mean, uh, there was sad news throughout the week about about his mother, so maybe he's just not in the right mindset at the moment. I mean, maybe he does need a break. He's trying to say he doesn't, but he seems to be in a very rough place. Do you think he might need a break away for a little bit? There's no way a guy like Klopp is going to ask for a break. Let's be honest. Anyway, I think that's out of the um, out of the conversation. But that's them out of the title race, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, they seem to be losing the, the games when they really matter. Like the game against City last weekend, uh, they needed to make a statement. And then this weekend, they needed to get back to winning ways. But it seems to be Allison that's that's costing them the points. Because in terms of the, the, the game again, we said the same last week. I don't think Liverpool played that badly to, to lose the game. But it just seemed to be uh, mistakes by, by Allison that, that seems to have cost them. Would you agree? I was watching Arsene Wenger's tactical analysis on BN Sports actually on Liverpool and he was saying the reason why they're not performing as well is because the main reason they're, they, they've not got a recognised centre-back well, apart from the new guy Kabak. But what's, what happened was moving Henderson into centre-back they lost control of the midfield and Thiago still doesn't look like he's settled into the Premier League yet and Liverpool's main threat was their ability to get the passes from midfield to their front three in uh, in a really quick time and they can't do that anymore. Yeah, I think I think that's that's very true. I, I, I didn't see Wenger talk about that, but I think I heard someone else say, I can't remember who, but it does seem to be that when they can't have Henderson in that midfield, the, the midfield just seems to lose every battle that they're in. Uh, having him back in centre-back seems to really prohibit their, their play ability to go from defence to attack in a, in a quick matter because I think with with Thiago like you said not settling in they just seem to be a bit a bit lost in the midfield and I, myself if I was Jurgen Klopp even against Leicester I would have 
played the new guy, obviously, that played, but then I would have risked it and maybe played Reese Williams, the, the other young centre-back they have, just so you can get Henderson in the midfield, because I think he's very crucial. And he was one of the main reasons that Liverpool probably won the league last year, but he doesn't get the recognition due to players like Salah and Mane and Firmino just running away with it at the top end. But I do think Henderson's probably maybe even the most important player at Liverpool, would you say? I think so. I think he's one of the most underrated captains in Premier League history. People keep comparing him to the likes of Roy Keane or Vieira, players who captained title-winning sides, but they don't understand how important Henderson is to Liverpool in that midfield. All respect to Leicester, though, and and Jamie Vardy, they capitalised on their opportunities. Yeah, they showed their their clinical state um, with Madison, Vardy, Harvey Barnes all getting on the score sheet. And Vardy just showing the his real striker nature in him by capitalising on the mistake by Allison getting onto the ball as soon as he saw the keeper charging it. Harvey Barnes, who I think will is is going to be a huge player in a few years. I think he could get a big move to one of the the bigger clubs. I know Leicester are now making a name for themselves in the top 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 four even, but I still think he can get a move to a team like United, Liverpool, uh, City even. I think the the they are good at taking their chances when they come because they're, they're all raring to go and Brendan Rodgers does set up his team perfectly for these types of games to to counter or take these chances when, when they present themselves. If I was a Leicester player, I'd stay. They're building something special there. If Brendan stays, I'm staying. Yeah, yeah I would I would say that Brendan Rodgers is a huge factor to uh, Leicester's success. Obviously, this this team they have is very good, but... Brendan Rodgers is doing something special there and I think they are building a very good team it's just a shame I don't know how much longer Vardy will last I mean he's he's 34 now I think so I don't know how much longer he'll last so they might be in the market for a striker very soon but uh, I think they they are building a team that maybe in two or three years time could be proper title contenders do you think that's possible? Title contenders I wouldn't say they're there yet I think once they stabilise themselves as a top four side for a few years, then they can start challenging. Because the thing is, uh, teams like Leicester need to get over the phase of selling their best players uh, at the end of every season. I think once they get over that and players start to recognise Leicester as uh, as a top side and they actually start attracting quality players there themselves, then they can start challenging for the title. But for them, I'd say stabilise themselves as a top four side for, for now. I hate to do this to you, Ben, um, but this was a game where United should have capitalised on and extended their their points. What happened? This is probably... This game affected me more than the, the Sheffield United game. Obviously, we lost to Sheffield United and we drew this game, but this game affected me more. Whenever we get an opportunity to gain on our rivals, to gain on the, the teams around us, we always, always bottle it. And I made a joke the other day saying that we're turning into spurts with the amount of times we're bottling it. Um, I don't know what it is. We conceded very early on, which just shows our defensive weakness. The fact we can't even hold off 19th place in the league for two minutes without conceding. I, 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 don't, I don't understand how we were set up that badly at the start. But in my opinion, the goal shouldn't have stood. But we'll, we'll, I'm not going to get into that. But it is annoying to see we can't take our opportunities when when they come the united squad and managers still seem optimistic about the title though you you hear Maguire's post-match saying that everything's still to play for 
Ole saying that um, the the chase is still on. Is it? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I think if, if City if City wins their game in hand, it's a ten point gap, and we're what 20, 23 games in or so. Yeah, it's around 23, 24 games in. But like you said about the, the post-match interviews, I, I honestly started laughing when I saw Harry Maguire try to say that we're still in it. But I just don't think he's he, he's a he's a cap. He should be captain of a team like United. He, for one, he's not good enough as a player. But then even the way he's, he was speaking after the game, I'm like, that's not how a captain of a team like Manchester United would speak. There's no, I don't see us being in the title race. It wasn't realistic at the start of the season, and it's not realistic now. So to to him to try say, and all even to try say that we're still in it, I think they're just getting ahead of themselves. When did you did you say shouldn't have been title contenders at the start of the season? <laughs> well, when at the start of the season, when you're looking at the teams there, you wouldn't put Man United in that bracket though. Ben, let me just check my phone here. Actually, um, I've got a. Uh, nice whatsapp from you United are going to win the league this season listen listen that was after like that was a good 10 games in the season like okay but if if you look at it now now like from 10 games in to about 3 or 4 weeks ago United were were in the title race they weren't that far behind City but now they're they've dropped off they they've only picked up 10 of the last 21 available points so it just shows that they, they they seem to bottle it when they have the chance to 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 gain on the the teams above them so i think it just proves that they're not ready yet for for winning a title they can't deal with the pressure so here on the 12th of january um ben you say not been able to say this in a long time we are top of the league. Give us the title now, because no one is stopping us. But, like, do, do you know when you do you know when you see those messages that you want sent, and you're just like, "Why did I say that?" That has to be one of them. <laughs> I was getting ahead of myself. I mean, think about it. 2013 was our last title. Uh, so I mean, I'm getting my hopes up. I just want to see a United title-winning team again. So. I just the thing is, I think it was actually from that day onwards United started dropping points. Yeah, sometimes I think I should just not speak because I seem to be jinxing everything at the moment. Now you also mentioned Harry Maguire. Um, a lot of excuses in his post-match interview. Were he was blaming the refs, he was blaming VAR. Was was United's performance even good enough if you take away the the refereeing factors? Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, we we had against a struggling West Brom side, right? Who are fighting relegation? Exactly, they're they're nineteenth in the league. Uh, they're like ten points off safety or something like that. And United had seventy three percent possession in that game, uh, which I think is the most Man United have had in a single game this season. So to have the ball that much and not be able to score more than one goal against a team ten points off safety in the league. Nah, I'm not having it. No matter, even if, like he said, he was trying to blame the referees of the, the VAR, you can't do that because in the game, when you have 73% of the ball, you're playing second bottom in the league. There's no way that you can come away with that game with only one goal when you're meant to be title contenders or whatever. Like It's ridiculous. That, that game, we should have scored 
more than one goal for sure. The chances we had, we should have been taking them. It's just a lack of a lack of uh, composure in front of goal, which seems to be an issue in the most important games this season or games we should be winning. So I think that his claims after the game are a bit ridiculous, would you not say? Yeah, I agree. Bruno with a good goal, though. Again, another goal, a really good goal. Not against the top six, yeah, I know. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's another game where he scored a really good goal, worthy of winning a game, and then we still can't win the game. The one against Everton was probably better, but it's another great goal that is in a game where we haven't won. So people are just going to forget about it. They're going to care more about the fact that United are embarrassingly dropping points to West Brom more than the goal itself. So it's it's a bit of a shame on him, but United just need to to get a, get a hold of themselves and think like we should be winning games like this. So that meant you had to rely on Spurs, right, to to get one over City. Yeah, and again. But instead, instead we saw Davinson Sanchez eating dust. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was very funny. But this, I mean, it's again. I was trying to rely on other teams to help us, but again, City are just proving why they're top of the league and why they're gonna probably go ten points clear of of second. I mean, I tried to rely on Liverpool last weekend. Then Allison was a a joke, and then I tried to rely on Spurs this weekend. And Davinson Chan- Davinson Sanchez got sent to the floor by Bernardo Silva, and Gundogan is just continuing his hot streak of form. So I think it's just proving that no one's really going to stop City this season. You sent me this um, picture of this guy that has uh, a suspicion that. There's this behind the scenes thing with with all the betting companies. Do you want to explain yeah, yeah, that? Yeah. He was he was trying to say that uh, the the Premier League's corrupt and they have meetings before every match week that will determine the the results so that all these betting companies can like get the the better odds to make them the most money. And this guy even predicted that City were going to win the game three 0 and then that's what happened. So a lot of a lot of people are, are a bit freaked out by it, but I don't think it'll be long before it gets proven wrong. I don't think he's predicting though. He's acting like he was part of the meeting, or he he knows information that took place in the meeting. Yeah, he's he's making bold statements. He was saying uh, that City are going to end the season on eighty-seven points. So watch this space. We'll see where they end up at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> he said it'd be three 0 and Gundogan would score in the second half. That's what happened. Uh, he said that Leicester were going to beat Liverpool 3-1. <laughs> That's what happened. So it is a bit scary, but I don't know how... how... If you think about it, right, Alisson with that howler, match-fixing, maybe. And then the City game, Gundogan's goal, Ederson, one <laughs> one long kick and he's through on goal. Davinson Sanchez eats grass. Boom, there, another goal. This guy might be on to something. <laughs> Especially with uh, with the with people blaming uh, the officials. Maybe that's got something to do with it as well. It seems to be very weird at the moment with the way things are going. So uh, I think he's going to gain a big following and people are going to look out for what he says next. Yeah, for sure. So we touched on Arsenal there. 4-2. Decent win. Back on track. Some would say we've turned a corner. <laughs> Yeah, it was a uh, Leeds always provide entertainment. They 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 either someone I think it was uh, I can't remember who the commentator was, but they said that 
Leeds are always in a 4-2 game, whether they're winning 4-2 or they're losing 4-2. They, whenever Leeds play, there's always goals. But I would say Arsenal did very well that game. Um, Aubameyang getting his first Premier League hat-trick. What do you think about that? He deserves it after going through some personal issues. I'm happy for him. Uh, Arteta said uh, that he thinks that, that that could be him back to his, his normal self after, like you said, going through some, some issues behind the scenes. Uh, and Arsenal... With Leeds, Leeds fight back in the second half, they managed to hold on because there was, there was maybe a five-minute spell in the game after they scored the second goal where you're thinking, if they get one more, then it's game on. But I think Arsenal did well to to hold on and, and uh, hold their lead until the end of the game to pick up a, a really important three points, I think, because Leeds is a big game this season for sure. Yeah, we leapfrogged them actually by winning that game. But bro, I was on the edge of my seat when they scored the second goal. I was like, no, not again, not one of those days. I mean, you you saw you've seen Arsenal lose a four goal lead in in the past against Newcastle, so I think some people were just hoping that wouldn't happen again. But they they did well, yes, uh, yes, the other day even. So I think that uh, Arsenal, you could argue they've turned a, a a corner here, and it'll be interesting to see how they get on the rest of the season, especially if Aubameyang can continue this form now that he's, he's scoring some goals of late and getting a hat-trick against Leeds so it'll be interesting to see if they can build on that and see where they end at the end of the season see it didn't matter now that we knew it was 4-2 but imagine if Leeds did climb back to 4-4 imagine the outrage on that penalty decision on Saka yeah it's, it, we're always speaking about the officials getting decisions wrong and I think that was another thing where you're like it, it's a clear penalty they didn't even show the camera angle that shows the foul. <laughs> what is that about? It's ridiculous. They're not even showing a full... They should have a way of getting all the angles from everywhere at all times during VAR because I think that's another thing that's stopping it. So it's it's really poor from uh, the VAR and the referee. But you could say they made up for it by getting a penalty later but at the end of the day like you said if, if Leeds did come back to 4 all, then that is something you're looking back at saying that's another awful decision that made Arsenal lose points but I don't know what's going on again with the officials it's another crazy year that another crazy week sorry where you're thinking there needs to be change but hey they're just puppeteers or puppets for the betting companies <laughs> right according well, to your source so yeah. who knows who knows Okay, so last episode, me and James said we were going to go over European football because it starts again this week. Are you looking forward to it? I am because it's our only way into the Champions League this season, so Benfica is a big game for us. Yeah, that's a big tie. Uh, I think, like you said, that's Arsenal's only realistic and more manageable way to get Champions League next season. Do you think it can be a bit nervy, though, because that might be on the back of their minds? It's a weird setup though because neither team is going to be playing in their home stadium. I think the the stadiums they chose are in Greece and ooh, in Italy, um, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a weird it's a weird dynamic. Yeah, it will be different from every other year because it means that both ties are going to be played in neutral grounds. So neither team will have an advantage if you if you want to say. So I think. That it'll be a tough game for both teams because I have to adjust to traveling to a different stadium for both games and uh, just having to get used to where they are. And 
even with the climate that I think it'll be different because obviously I think the weather in Greece and stuff will be a lot better and the conditions will be different so it'll be a, a chance to to change but I think Arsenal I think they'll be the favourites for the tie or, or do you think it might be evenly matched? No we're definitely favourites I'd be very surprised if Benfica even get a draw in either game I'm just worried that Arteta for whatever reason would start resting players for this for this game but I'd say, if anything, rest players in the Premier League and treat this Benfica game as our most important. Because, like I said, it's our only route to the Champions League for next season. Yeah, I think Arsenal would definitely be considered the favourites. Because I remember looking back at the group stages and Benfica were were struggling to beat Rangers, who, don't get me wrong, have done well this season in Scotland, but they're not at the same level as, as teams like Arsenal. So, um, But it's just about weather. Like we said, though, like we said last week, it's going to be very tough to win the Europa League this year. It's got some very good teams in there, I must say. Yeah, I was I was looking at the at the draw earlier, and and there's a lot of good teams that are going to be in it. And it, I think, like I did say this last episode as well, that this is probably going to be the toughest the Europa League's ever been because there's so many good teams that would be considered Champions Leagues in normality, but. Because now so many teams are are stepping up that it means not enough teams can make it to the Champions League because of obviously the Europa League's a, a bigger competition. So it means that there's a lot more good teams in the Europa League than normal. So no matter who you get, I think it's going to be tough. Um, but do you have any team you think would be considered favourites for the Europa League? I'm going to stick to Arsenal. Very biased, I know. Uh, maybe one of the Milan sides. Yeah, I mean, Inter Milan are in in the Europa League, right? I, th- I think so. I, I I don't know. They were in the Champions League, so it's whether they finished third in their group or not. I I can't quite remember. But AC Milan are definitely in it, and and they're sitting at the top of of the league in Italy. So uh, I think that they'll be a very very tough opposition this this time around. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, I would say they're probably the favourites or. Uh, Napoli are in it as well so I think Napoli could be up there for it so it's there's plenty of competition that Arsenal and United are, are in for a tough one this season no matter what but I feel like Man United might prioritise the league more than anything because I think they'll feel comfortable of getting Champions League being in the top four um, so they might end up resting players and try focus on the league but I think Arsenal will be the opposite so I'll be interested to see how it pans out how do you think United fare in their, in their tie? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if they start prioritising the Europa League uh, for this match anyway against Real Sociedad. I'm sure they're a great side, but like you said, United are comfortable in the top four right now in the league, but it would be a, a massive shock. if It would be an outrage if they drop out of the top four position simply because they started prioritising the Europa League, whether they pick up an injury, maybe to like Bruno Fernandes... Yeah, I think so. The worst case scenario, and it would it would cause an absolute uproar from the fans if United try prioritize Europa League. They they drop out of the top four, and then and then they don't even win the Europa League. So then they've just completely blown the Champions League on two fronts that they had the opportunity to do. But surely they're not gonna think that they can win the Europa League with all the tough teams. I think the sensible option would be to stick with the league to to stay in the top four because. They they will be confident for the Europa League, but I just think with the competition that's there, 
they need they need to be more sensible than anything and especially not to risk injuries to like you said like Bruno because just imagine what would happen to United if if Bruno got injured yeah an exciting lineup though for the Champions League uh, games we have first up Barcelona versus Paris Saint-Germain who you got your bets on uh, this season uh, the way that things are going for both clubs I, I see PSG uh, getting through this one Barcelona are going through some tough times at the minute they, they're not the same team as they were two, even two seasons ago they're having all these issues with, with Messi over over his, his contract with the ridiculous money that they paid to him no Suarez uh, exactly no Suarez who's been on fire for Atletico and I just think that they can't just rely on Messi to to get them through, and I don't think the the teams the the team they have at the moment is good enough to to win the Champions League for sure. And with PSG having Neymar and Mbappe, and then with Pochettino now that they have as manager, I, I think PSG will be a, a team to look out for in the Champions League this season. And I think they'll they'll get through. What do you think? Were you gonna say Neymar Mbappe Cavani there? I almost said <laughs> I almost said Cavani, forgetting that he's not there anymore. Yeah. But Icardi uh, now he's all right. He's doing well. Yeah, he's not doing too bad. So I mean, looking at their options up top, they're going to be very dangerous. So, do you think they'll go through as well, or do you think Barca can still sneak through? I do think PSG have this one, and this will just, if anything prove why Barca are struggling so much recently um, yes they've managed to ke- keep Messi but he doesn't seem to be himself although uh, just last weekend he scored an amazing goal outside the box but the team just hasn't been clicking so I'd, I'd, I'd back PSG for this game so next up we have Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid interesting one because I remember Atletico Madrid doing one over Liverpool uh, was it last season? Was it last season? Uh, season? Yeah, no, yeah, it was last season um, in the quarterfinals, I think maybe or something like that. So, and this season, I would say they've they've improved as well. So, I think th- this will be an exciting tie, and, and this might be the first real test for uh, Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea. Would you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. It's his first real test. Um, just as we're speaking. He's managed to squeeze a goal out of um, Timo Werner. Is that right? Yeah, the the guy that's been scared to score almost. He's, he's finally got himself a goal. I think it was a, a scruffy one, but I don't think he'll care one bit. I think he'll just be a relieved man to finally get back on the score sheet. Uh, this could be a chance for him to, to hit some form, but I think in the Champions League against a team like Atletico, I think they will struggle to score against them because, you know, Simeone, he's a... He's a he's a good manager for setting up teams defensively, so it'll be a it'll be a tough tie. But I, I don't know who who do you think will will get through this one? It's a, it's a tough one to call. I think I'm going for Atletico this one. They're on a flyer in La Liga right now. Um, I think Chelsea with the gaps they have in defensively, they're there for the taking. Yeah, I mean they're they're trying to. They've been using the new system under Thomas Tuchel, but I still think that it, I think it's too early to to really challenge in like a European competition. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll need more time to to get around his team, and you might even need a transfer window to to get the players he wants in as well. So I think this one will be Atletico as well. I think 
the way they are in the league of this season. Um, I think they're comfortable enough at the top that they, they can still play first-choice players in this game, that they don't have to worry about resting as much because I think they're a class above Real Madrid and Barcelona this season. I, I still think that they'll go through. And I think it could be a, a PSG-Atletico Madrid final, personally. Um, so Are they playing think, in their own stadiums, are you aware? I don't think so because I, I think Spain are another country that they don't want anyone coming in so I think they've had to because I think the Man United and Real Sociedad is in neutral grounds too so I think a lot of these ties actually are going to be played in neutral grounds elsewhere so it'll, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very different competition than, than what we're used to but I think it'll be an exciting uh, one. Any specific uh, scoreline predictions? I'd go for overall aggregate I'd say PSG I'm going to say Four, Barca one. Uh, for that one, I think it will be. So we're talking aggregate score, yeah. yeah. I think five two to PSG here. I think, I think they'll they'll score most of their goals in the the first leg. I think they'll really punish them. But yeah, I think five two to PSG. With the Chelsea Atletico one, I'm gonna go for three zero on aggregate to Atletico. Sounds we can good. come back to this um, next week and see how we do. We we could be completely wrong. Let's find out. Let's find out. Yeah, we'll see how we do. I think this one will be close. I think there won't be many goals overall. I think it will be 2-1 to Atletico over both legs. I don't think Chelsea are going to get a single goal. I think maybe with with uh, if they play Giroud, I think, I think he'll be vital uh, if they get any set set plays or corners or anything like that. I think he could nick a goal if he's playing, but they won't score more than one, though, I don't think, with the way Atletico can set up. So it'll be close, though. I think it'll only be 2-1 over the two legs. So, All right. Up next, Liverpool against Leipzig. Two counter-attacking teams, huh? Yeah, I like the way the Leipzig set up. I think their manager, uh, Nagelsmann, I think he's I think he's a very exciting manager to look at. He's, he's still, he's very young still. He's only in his 30s. Uh, He's done really well with this Leipzig team. Even losing Werner in the summer last year, they're still doing really well. They they managed to to beat Man United in the group stages, um, and I think Liverpool. I think they're going to struggle still because they're they seem to be really low on confidence at the moment. Especially if Allison, who was crucial to them last season, uh, getting the league title and stuff. So I think Leipzig could actually. It might become a, might be a surprise to some, but I think Leipzig will go through on this one. What do you think? I think there. I think one of the two games will be a Leipzig win, but I think Liverpool are going to have it in the end. I'd go for Liverpool five, Leipzig two. Hmm. I think I think it'll be Leipzig three, Liverpool two. I think it'll be very close, but they they just need to they'll they'll need to fix up at the back if they, if they want to go through. But the way the things are going at the moment, I see Leipzig going through. Yeah, Liverpool looking very shaky at the moment. Do you reckon he'd start Allison? Who's their backup again? It's um. I think I think he's called. I was going to say Mignolet there. I, well, they <laughs> <laughs> they have Adrian who who he never really. Made a difference when he played, 
Um, he looks so uncomfortable <laughs> on the ball, Adrian. I think I think he's. If I was that Adrian, I'd be surprised I'm even at a club like Liverpool because he wasn't even first choice at West Ham because of Fabianski. So, yeah, it's, I think it's a bit funny that he managed to get moved to Liverpool. But I think they have to start Allison. I, I'm not confident in the other Liverpool keepers that they have. So, no matter what, I think they have to play Allison, and I think he will play himself out this bad run that he's on at the moment eventually so they just have to stick with him remain confident in him because if they lose confidence in him then I think that'll just make him crumble even more so they they have to be there to trust in him and I think he'll come through it as a keeper you lose confidence it's almost it could be career over like Karius wasn't even that bad when he came in but after his mistakes in the Champions League final yeah, Car- yeah, it was a final. Bef- yeah, it cost cost Liverpool the the final. Is <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know. I remember that game actually, and Bale scored a was an overhead kick. And to be fair, that one wasn't even savable. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, that one was unsavable for for any keeper. But he made two big mistakes with a bail shot from long range, and and then he threw the ball right to to Benzema. But I think goalkeeper can probably. be one of the worst positions to play in football because if you make even one little mistake, it can cost teams uh, points or even titles or or even Champions Leagues like we saw with Carriers. So I think goalkeepers go for the toughest toughest times uh, at certain moments in their careers because their mental health can go up and down like crazy with with uh, what what they do in the games because they they can literally cost like I said teams titles or. Champions League so I would hate to be a goalkeeper myself just the amount of pressure that's on you um, you look at Kepa Riza Balaga though world's most expensive keeper bought for I think 72 million struggling to come back into the Chelsea side I don't even think he's ever gonna get moved back into the first team and that just goes to show how uh, confidence within a keeper goes a long way yeah I think he needs to go back to when he was playing uh, under Sarri when he was he was forcing himself to stay on remember when he was meant to get subbed in a cup game and he actually yeah. t- told Sarri no and actually stayed on the pitch but looking at him now he's he just doesn't seem happy at all he doesn't seem in a good place and I don't see him coming back into the to the team I, th- I think Mendy is is a better keeper than him and unless Mendy does something like carries level mistake then I don't see a reason why he would have to drop Mendy at all so it's, do you remember um Arsenal against Chelsea when Saka like chipped Mendy yeah <laughs> Just, and it hits the post and then there's this picture of Mendy looking back at his goal with uh, <laughs> that kind of face I think but maybe I don't think it, I don't think Saka meant that though I think it was a cross who knows he says he says it's a shot but, I think it's I think it's one of the worst things to get chipped by a keeper and because I think he was hoping that the post would come to his rescue but I think that was one that's a bit harsh on him to to blame him on I think it was more just the class of Saka that goal but going back to keepers I mean Kepa is it worth him trying to move away again but I mean with the price tag he had going to Chelsea it's like who could he actually go to I don't even think he's worth 25 no, million it's I feel bad for the guy in all honesty because he's still young as well I think he's only 24 so 
I don't know what's next for him. Young for a keeper. Very young for a keeper. Exactly. Keepers can go till... I mean, Buffon's like 40, over 40, and he's still playing, so they can last a very long time. I'm sure he'll still make a career of himself, but he's very, very low in confidence. I think I think even a loan move would do him good to, to just get a run of games in, get some confidence back. And then even after that, then he could come back into Tuchel's plans, but... Maybe Tuchel can get the best out of him. Yeah, I mean, if... Ferner of late, although he's only just scored in in the last game, but even his overall Werner's overall play under Tickles improved, and I think the same will be with Havertz. So, I think this is a great opportunity for players like Kepa as well, who are long confidence, or anyone long confidence at Chelsea. It's like almost a fresh start that Tuchel can can help get the best out of certain players like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'll be rooting for Arsenal on the Thursday and I'm sure you'll be watching the United game on the Thursday as well against Real Sociedad of course I'll be following that closely I'm interested in the team he'll select but of course I'll be wanting them to go as far as they can but I'm excited for all this European football coming up hey Arsenal United in the final who knows that would be good to watch I have to say I'd be interested in that um, but I think that's us again for this episode anything else you'd like to cover no, I think we've got over it. Let's just come back next week and see if our predictions were right on these Champions League games. Yeah, I'm. A, is that guy still posting on Twitter? By the way, the guy who who thinks the betting companies are are fixing all the games. I, I'd be interested to see what he thinks about the European matches. I'll follow it closely and I'll come back next week if he says anything. <laughs> all right, you can update us uh, next Wednesday. Alright, anyways, that's all from us here today on the Football Draft Podcast. You've been joined today by James and Ben. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify and YouTube. And be sure to look out every Wednesday for our new episodes. You heard the man. Feel free to leave any feedback on our third episode. Like, share, subscribe or follow if you're on Spotify. And see you guys later. See you next week.